And open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. We're in a series on Christmas notes from Christmas carols, and our note this morning is star. But this morning, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, this is the Word of God. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, the old wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it's written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. When you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star uh, that they'd seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Went to the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. Being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed their, to their own country by another way. Then join me. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, we're glad that this is your word. It's true, it's certain. So, Father, speak to us from it this morning, we pray. Uh, help to apply it to our hearts and minds that we might worship you, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. My name's Daniel. Yes, I know that's not an ordinary name for an Iranian, uh, but uh, my father named after a man who lived nearly 500 years before my birth, um, and uh, he was not Iranian. Now, who was he, and why did my parents name me after him? Well, I suppose you could sum up with three words, the Shiloh factor. Uh, and you say, well, what's that? Well, if you have a few minutes, or a lot of minutes, um, uh, I will tell you. Uh, you see, I'm supposed to be a wise guy, really. Uh, that's my training, that's my degree. I have a, a Bachelor of Wisdom degree from Persia State University. Uh, Persia is the ancient name of the country of Iran. And uh, that degree requires a lot of classes in astrology, uh, dream interpretation, history, and then just practical things that you cover in Magi 101 and 102. Um, I always wanted to be a wise guy, a Magi, like my father, Melchior, and my grandfather, Gaspar. Now, in my job as a Magi, I was really interested in two things, uh, astrology and ancient books. Um, and it's the love of those two things that caused my grandfather and my father uh, to become so interested in this, what they call the shallow factor. See, my grandfather was, was greatly interested in the ancient books that were gathered by this Daniel. Now, you've heard of him. Uh, in fact, you, you've got a book about him. He was a Jew from Israel. Uh, he lived in Babylon, worked there in the 6th century B.C. He'd been taken as an exile, uh, as a young man from his homeland. And after going, undergoing rigorous training by the Babylonians, he rose to a position of great power in the Babylonian government. Then remarkably... When we Persians conquered Babylon, he transitioned to a position of power in our government. And that's when the Magi got very interested in Daniel's God because they saw he was successful, he was courageous, 
And he was a top-notch dream interpreter. And that might not be a very good reason to check out somebody's God, but, well, uh, they did it. And basically, Daniel took the Jews' sacred books and showed those magi about the expected coming of a great king who would rule over the whole earth. Um, those sacred books are collected in your Bible. Being astrologers, what really grabbed their attention um, were the, the stars. Um, because from the first page of that book and all the way through, uh, it talks about them. And one amazing statement in particular uh, gathered my grandfather's attention. It read like this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Now the thing is, the speaker there uh, was not a Jew. It was a guy named Balaam, and he had a talking donkey. Well, that's a story for another day. Uh, but anyway, uh, he lived about a thousand years or so before Daniel, and he's talking about a person. Notice he says him twice. He's talking about a ruler. He says he has, has a scepter. So he's a king. Uh, and notice a star shall come out of Jacob. Well, that's what my grandfather paid attention to. So he began to read more of, of the Jews' collected books. Genesis, he found another remarkable statement that probably this Balaam knew about. A man named Jacob, I give it this was the source of the star, he's a really important man in Jewish history. He's talking, he's predicting the future of his 12 sons and their descendants. Uh, and he says about one of his sons, Judah, uh, the scepter, and there's that word again, that's associated with being a king, shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, again, he's talking about a ruler, uh, about a king, until Shiloh comes. Now, Shiloh means he comes to who it belongs. In other words, there's the king of the Jews coming, and something incredible about this Jewish king is, is what the rest of the verse says. And to him shall be the obedience of the nations. In other words, the Shiloh's not just the king of the Jews. He's the king over all the nations. And that includes Iran. My grandfather studied this for years. My father, when he became a Magi, studied it as well. And they talked about it. They believed the star would come. It would tell the world when this king was born. So I grew up with the hope that one day I might see the shallow factor, the star, and know that this long-predicted king had come. Now, because Daniel's books were, were from all the, the Jewish people, uh, my grandfather studied all the writings he could get his hands on. They studied the Jews' history, and they learned about a, a king named David. Now, this David was a very powerful king. He ruled over a large area but not the whole world. So he couldn't be the king that uh, Jacob or Balaam were talking about. Uh, but evidently one of his descendants would be. Now here's the thing. You follow his line for 400 years. And yet there's not a king like the one described. And then the Jews found themselves in exile in 587. No super king had ever come. But people like Daniel kept the hope alive. The hope that one day that king would come and he would restore the nation of Israel. 
he would establish a worldwide kingdom. They also studied a book by a Jewish writer named Isaiah. And he wrote some amazing stuff about this coming king. He said when he was born, he would be no ordinary child, but in fact, he would have a kingdom that would never end. And he would also be God. He called him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Uh, now, this is what we struggle with. How does that fit into this shallow factor? How could a child be born who is actually God? It just made no sense to us. So we waited for the shallow factor. We waited for the star. Well, then came that night. My granddad was already in bed, but dad was out on the roof. When I heard him call, Daniel, quick, hurry. I ran out to the roof where dad was standing and he was staring at the sky. So I immediately looked up and he said, do you see what I see? Way up in the sky? <laughs> a star, a star. Uh, no ordinary star. Now trust me, I've studied the stars all my life, but there was something special about this one. It was different. Dad said, quick, go get your grandfather. So back inside I went, my wife, my mother wanted, wanted what I was doing. And I said, well, it's a shallow fact. I've got to wake granddad up. Well, that wasn't really easy. Um, but when he finally heard what I was saying, he ran faster than he'd run since I was a little boy. Uh, and, uh, and he got out there and he immediately looked up and he said, I see it. I see the star. There it is. The shallow factor. I just know it. The king of the Jews has been born. Shallow has come. The king for all the nations. The king with an everlasting kingdom. We stood there very silently. The tears welled up in granddad's eyes when suddenly he broke the silence and he said, Melchior Daniel, I've got to go and see this king. But dad, that's, that's a thousand miles. How can you travel that far? I don't care. I have to go. And so despite everybody's protest, granddad was intent on going. So we made our plans accordingly. You know, if you push a camel really hard, you can make 25 miles a day. Uh, but it's a long journey. You've got to take some breaks. So we decided we would leave in two weeks. Dad got the camels ready. I arranged for all the food and the preparation. Granddad studied some maps and looked about following the star. He also insisted we take gifts. You got to know, Granddad was an extravagant gift giver. Uh, and uh, uh, so there was. He put gold, frankincense, myrrh, and those are gifts fit for a king. So our entourage, about 50 people, we were ready. Um, we had some other magi, we had our servants, we had an armed guard. Uh, bearing gifts, we traveled far, over fields, past fountains, moors, mountains. When did you last pass a moor, by the way? Uh, following that yonder star. Now, it wasn't an easy journey. The roads weren't very good. The ground at night was not a great mattress, but we pressed on. And Granddad held up pretty well. He never complained, though I know he had to be sore. I mean, I was sore. He never complained about being tired. As we headed there, we realized we were headed towards Israel, and we anticipated the capital city of Jerusalem. Finally, after nearly three months of traveling, we could see Jerusalem off in the distance. Now, we expected Jerusalem to be all abuzz about this newborn king when we got there. And, but you know, everything seemed really normal. There was a lot of the hustle and the bustle you'd expect to see on a major city's streets. 
But there were no signs of any special celebrations. We actually got our share of stares from people, but, well, with the ever-present garrisons of the Roman soldiers, our coming didn't really create that much of a stir. We didn't ask people where we'd find the newborn king. They just looked at us with blank faces like we were crazy. And I finally met a guy named Aaron. He was about my age. Uh, he was very interested when I told him what I was looking for. He said he'd be glad to help us, but quite frankly, he'd heard nothing about a birth. He suggested heading down to the palace and, and asked there, perhaps one of Herod's officials knew something about this. When we got there, Aaron talked to the guards, and they were away for a few moments. They came back and said, King Herod did want to see us, um, and I asked Aaron to go with us. Now, the king seemed cordial, but he's clearly agitated. Um, he asked us what our business was, and we explained everything about the star about studying the, the ancient Jewish books, about uh, how we thought it all meant that Shiloh had come, a great king had been born, and we come to worship him. The king here really didn't seem to know what we were talking about. So we sent uh, some religious leaders who told him that Messiah, true son of David, to sit on the throne was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Uh, and so we said, well, where's that? Well, it's about five miles down Ridge Road. Aaron said, don't worry, I, I can show you. And so we thanked King Herod for his help, and, and suddenly he became very gracious. Uh, glad to be of assistance. One favor, please. When you find this child king, would you come back and tell me, I would really like to go and worship him too. And of course, we said we would. Again, I thought this all very strange. Here we'd come nearly a thousand miles to worship the newborn Jewish king, Yet the Jews themselves seemed completely oblivious to the whole thing. I didn't understand. So I asked Aaron the obvious question, why were the people not excited about the shallow factor? Why no excitement over the newborn king? Quite frankly, he said, nobody knows anything about it. You know, besides, he said, there were always people claiming to be Messiah, and they never amount to anything. He said, for instance, I was, I was down at the temple a few months ago, and a couple of old temple crazies named Simeon and Anna said something about the Messiah coming. And um, said that and here was this young, rather poor-looking couple, and they brought some pigeons to sacrifice for the birth of their child. And now well, those two old codgers got all excited and started saying that that child was Messiah. Um, well, we just laughed him off. After all, that woman had been at the temple every day for 60 years. And the old guy said God talked to him. So the people, longing for King Messiah to come, they just got tired of all the claims. But so let's, let's just go down to Bethlehem and see what's up. So I was wondering, why have we come all this way to worship a king that nobody else is worshiping? My grandfather had been strangely silent through the whole meeting with King Herod. So I asked him what he was thinking. He said, well, Daniel, even if these people aren't worshiping him, the heavens themselves are honoring this king with this star. The very heavens that one of those Jewish books says declare the glory of God. So I believe God's brought us here for a reason. Let's find out what it is. His granddad talked, Aaron listened, and he said, you know, your, your grandfather knows his books. He's talking about the Psalms. They're our worship God. King David wrote the psalm your grandfather referred to. 
David was, you know, from Bethlehem. And it's, it's just over this hill. So just then, Bethlehem came into view. And I confess that on first glance, I was, I was disappointed. I rubbed my eyes in disbelief. I mean, this, this little place is a, is a, it's a nowhere land. Uh, it's not impressive. There's no way a king would be born here. So I said, are you sure this is it? He said, oh, quite sure. He said, well, you know, just a few months before this, the town had been packed. There was a special census tax the Romans had imposed on the people. But well, now life was pretty much back to normal. So how would we find the king? It was getting late. We decided we'd just wait till morning to begin our search. So darkness began to overrun the blue sky. And there, right above the town, there was the star. There it was, right where we were. The shallow factor had indeed brought us to Bethlehem. And evidently, this is the place where we'll find the king. I was so excited I could hardly sleep. Of course, Granddad, Dad, they had the same problem. We all went over to the campfire and that ever-curious Aaron, he joined us. So we passed the night asking him about, about the expectations the Jews had. He said, well, having the Romans around was so oppressive that just getting rid of the Romans, that was what was at the top of everybody's mind, their agenda. That's why everybody was excited uh, about King Messiah coming. Because they, they pictured a Messiah who was a military hero. He would overthrow the Romans. They said every Jewish girl wanted to have a son who was Messiah. But most people didn't think you'd ever figure out who he was until he grew up and became a great leader. Well, finally, the morning came. We, we thought it best if Aaron would ask uh, around town about the, the birth of any little boys over the last six months, since it was obviously just a little town. There couldn't be that many. Came back an hour later. He said a promising young family uh, that's only been in town for a few months. In fact, uh, as near as he could tell, they arrived about the same time we saw that star. And he talked to the innkeeper at the motel who said that young couple had gotten into town late that night and didn't have any room for them in the inn, so he'd let them stay in the stable behind that. He said he felt bad because the woman was was pregnant. In fact, had her baby that very night in the stable. And that a bunch of old raggedy shepherds had ventured into town with some wild story about angels appearing to them uh, in the fields around Bethlehem, telling them about the birth of this child. Now, we attribute that mostly to their drinking issues. All right? Um, uh, but the landkeeper said he did find it strange that they showed up just hours after the baby was born. So the parents' names were Joseph and Mary, real nice folks. They named the little boy Jesus, living in a small house just on the edge of town where Joseph had set up a carpentry shop. And so we made our way across town. Uh, given how little Bethlehem is, it created quite a stir there. People pointing and staring, talking. We know what we were doing. Aaron told them very simply, we've been sent on a, a peaceful mission from our homeland, and the King Herod had directed us there. Well, that was enough to stop their inquiries. Seems nobody wants much to do with this Herod fellow. So we approached the house. The man, Joseph, young man in his early 20s, was working on some, some furniture out there in the front yard. He looked up startled, but not really surprised. But Aaron was certainly startled, and he 
He looked like he'd seen a ghost. But I wasn't sure why. Behind Joseph was the tiny house, and through the open door you could see a, a young woman holding her baby. Uh, asking what's going on. I don't think Joseph heard her. She looked very concerned. Then Aaron composed himself and he asked, Are you Joseph, who just moved to Bethlehem uh, during the, the census tax? Uh, he said, I am. He said, um, he said Are you uh, uh, a descendant of King David? I am. Well, I'm introduced to these men who have traveled, Joseph, all the way from Persia, uh, drawn, they say, by an unusual star, they say, is hanging over Bethlehem these past months. And they believe, according to their understanding of the Torah uh, and the prophets, that, well, your son is the rightful king of the Jews. Is that true? We've never made such a claim. But is it true? Please, sir, Aaron, isn't it? Can we step inside? These men can come with you. And so granddad, dad, and I went into the tiny house with Aaron and Joseph. And Mary appeared to be shaken by arrival and her grasp of that little baby seemed to grow tighter. Uh, but Joseph assured her we meant no harm. Rather, he said we had an amazing story that they needed to hear. But none of us could speak. Silence fell across the room and all of our eyes were fixed on this young child in Mary's arms. Then my grandfather uh, slowly dropped to one knee and bowed his head, tears streaming down his well-wrinkled cheeks. My father fell to his knee and I fell to mine. It was a moment too holy for words. Because you see, our hope had been to see this newborn king. But my grandfather's lifetime uh, hope. And that star, that shadow factor, led us to this point. Everything written in the sacred books that the Jews had was coming to pass. A child who was born, who was near to David's throne. And what's more, this child in some way was God. And I couldn't totally grasp that, but I believed it. And after several minutes, my grandfather broke the silence by asking me to go get the gifts. So Aaron went with me, and when we turned outside, all the others were pressed up against the house to see what was going on. By the time we came back inside, my father was explaining our whole story to Mary and Joseph from the beginning. They were astounded. Somebody helped my grandfather up, and he was sitting in a chair by now. And seeing that we were approaching with the gifts, Mary instinctively turned and handed the baby to him. And his tired eyes came alive with a huge smile across his face. Joseph and Mary were astounded with the gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh that they were receiving. They protested, this isn't necessary. We said, we'd, we'd come a long way to honor their son. And to take these gifts, gifts for a king, as an expression of our worship. They were clearly taken back by my words because they realized what was going on here. Their son was being worshipped by total strangers who traveled nearly a thousand miles following a star. After all the years of studying the shadow factor, my mind's eye had pictured a magnificent palace, great pomp and circumstance, an ivory uh, cradle, lots of attendants, servants running here and there. Amid each mile between Jerusalem and Bethlehem passed, uh, my expectations were lowered a little bit. Now before me was a young couple with a baby whose clothes were not embroidered silk, Rather, just wool. No clean. They were old and used. And instinctively, 
despite the world's obvious indifference to this young child, we were drawn to worship. Think about it. Uh, not even a Jew is allowed to worship, drawn to worship this Jewish child, uh, this newborn king. Why? Well, amazingly, God had drawn us here. We're drawn to Jerusalem, uh, to Bethlehem, rather, by the great God of Daniel who wanted us to know this Christ King. Ours was a journey of faith, believing a king had been born and that this God of Daniel can and will move the stars themselves for the purposes he wants. They do declare his glory. And they do give confirmation to what's written in these Jewish books that told us about the shallow factor in the star. Then Aaron spoke up and he said to Joseph and Mary, Did I see you all down at the temple a couple months ago? Were you the young family talking with Simeon and Anna? Now I realize why he was so startled when he first saw Joseph. Joseph and Mary acknowledged and they said, Yes, they were. Then Aaron said, We've got to talk. What is going on here? And Joseph said, It's going to take a while. You all need to have a seat. And so we did. Joseph said, Let me start at the beginning. Some of this will be a little hard to believe. And I said, listen, we've been following a star for a thousand miles, all right? Uh, we want to hear it. Uh, and so first Mary told us about the angel's visit to her. Then Joseph told us about his dream, about the trip, uh, that he was Emmanuel, about the shepherds, everything. They told us about going to the temple, about Simeon and Anna. And I reminded Aaron that he'd called them temple crazies. And he said, well, who knew? Uh, and I tried to take it all in. I mean, there was so much. I mean, Jesus means Savior. In some way, He will save His people from their sins, Emmanuel. Some way, this baby's God, just what Isaiah wrote. But what about those words of Simeon? I mean, he implied something terrible was going to happen. How did it all fit together? No one was really sure. That night back around the campfire, we were talking about what we found at the house. It was not what I expected, but Aaron told us something that one of the Jewish prophets who returned from exile uh, had written uh, when they were rebuilding the temple. He said, the people were quite discouraged. His prophet wrote, do not despise the days of small beginnings. You know, God uh, knew, and we never know. But I figured we could fix it all that. I suggested, you know, we go find the shepherds the next day. Then we could go back and we could get the testimony of Simeon and Anna. Then we could tell King Herod. And then everybody would know. And everybody would come and worship. We'd start a real movement. Then I dozed off to sleep. When I was awakened, suddenly in the middle of the night, Granny woke up, sat straight up. He had a dream. Dream warned him, do not go back and tell Herod. Go home another way. We thought what we were supposed to do was make this king known. So everybody would worship him. But obviously the time was not yet right. So the next morning after Aaron gave us directions how to avoid Jerusalem, we started on our long journey back to Iran. Wondering what the next chapter in our lives as Magi would hold. And knowing we'd never be the same ever again. We'd met the king. We'd worshipped the one the angel said would save his people from their sins. And we knew that now we were also were his people. 
We represented the nations that the shallow factor talked about. And that made all the difference. It really does. The shallow factor is Christmas. The king has come. Do not let the cosmic implications that star of that star pass you by. He's Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is King. He is Messiah. And so do you know that King Messiah, born to save His people from their sins? Is He your Savior? Are you drawn to worship Him? If not, like the Magi, may you find Him today. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you that your Son has come for us. We thank you that he was led, the Magi were led by a star, by your divine providence that directed that star, so that might too come and worship him. And Father, that's our desire that everybody here worships him as, as Savior and King, knows him, Father, as Savior and King. And if not today, Father, show them Jesus, why he came. He came for us. He came to die for us. He came to give us eternal life. May they receive that gift. Even as we seek to offer Him gifts, we pray. Father, may we truly worship, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.